Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the final game preview episode of State of the Nation of the 2022 season. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, Ted Wynn, getting you ready for the Raiders taking on the Kansas City Chiefs on Saturday. Um, and obviously, we got to start the show by talking about, you know, what's been the story of the week of the NFL. Uh, DeMar Hamlin, uh, the Buffalo Bills safety, who went into cardiac arrest on the field on Monday night. Uh, one of the, the scariest incidents I think we've ever really seen on an NFL field. Uh, we are listening as we record this uh, Thursday morning. We're getting the update from the uh, UC Medical Center in, in Cincinnati and uh, obviously making some great progress. Uh, eyes have been open. He's been holding hands. And uh, so that that's all great news to hear um, as uh, really, I mean, it's, it's been something that's just gripped the NFL ever since Monday. Uh, just, you know, a sight, a, a scene that, you know, we're, we're used to injuries and all that, but but nothing like this. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, Raiders receiver uh, DJ Turner, he played with Ham- Hamlin at, at Pitt in 2020. And so we talked to him yesterday in the locker room about it and says one of those things where um, obviously as football player, there's they're, they're kind of conditioned to seeing serious traumatic injuries, you know, concussions. We've seen a number of those this year and that can get guys emotional, things of that nature. But seeing somebody that I mean, once you start hearing about defibrillators and CPR, like, you know, that somebody's life is in danger. That's something that they don't really, I think we, we've heard, you know, life on the line before, but until you really see it, it doesn't really register. You know what I mean? And, and even for guys that live it every day, that was kind of a eye-opening moment. And so uh, we've seen kind of the, the sports world and the general public kind of collectively um, reacting to it. And I think what adds to it is it wasn't like an abnormal play. Like that was, that's the hit that you probably see on like every single play or most plays. Not only the fact that he was fighting for his life, but that it could happen I guess relatively easily because that's, that's a hit that a lot of players take. You know, it's, it's got to be pretty frightening for guys. And so it's on their minds and it's, it's making it difficult to prepare for a game this weekend, I'm sure, for a lot of guys across the league. And the, the Raiders locker room is no different. Yeah, I think players and their families have kind of become conditioned to like the violence of the game. Obviously, you know, it's a violent game. I think you see stretchers come off on and off the field and kind of like people kind of, you know, shrug and feel bad. But then I think this really hits home as far as just, um, potential devastation that, that can happen in this game. I think I'm sure for players going home, talking to their families, I'm sure it was hard to process what they had watched and that these guys would run back out there and playing another game soon. So I think it was a good time out for everyone to kind of uh, just take a step back. And I think um, obviously it's great news. He's doing better. That's, that's the most important thing. I think all the players in the league and staff and everyone's behind him. So I think it's been a nice thing to see, but um yeah, a very jarring event that I'm sure shook everybody who watched it and has been following the story all, all week. 
and I was just reading um, yesterday that those protocols that ended up saving his life were just put in place this year too. So I think there's some credit that goes to the NFL because of you know how prepared they were for the situation, the medical personnel that were on the field that you know did such an amazing job of reviving him and executing those procedures that you know saved his life when every second mattered. But also brought to light a bunch of things that you know are difficult to deal with, like the fact that you know I, I don't know if, wh- whose side you are if you believe the NFL wanted to st- resume play within five minutes or Troy Vincent the, you said that never happened, but you know Joe Buck said that he got a message that they were supposed to resume play within five minutes or not. That's pretty you know insane when you think about it. And then you know when you look at the fact that he was a second year player, which means, you know, he, he was invested. So, you know, if he weren't able to play anymore, you know, would he receive care from the NFL afterwards? So there, there's a bunch of issues that come up after this that I'm sure we'll talk about for a, a long time. But um, yeah, just a pretty sobering reminder of uh, the violence that happens in football and how callous this business could be. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole five minute thing, um, I don't know if we'll ever get the full story on it. I give the league if if there was a, a ever at any point like they said okay get ready in five minutes. I guess I give them a little bit of a pass in terms of that is typical maybe protocol for when a guy gets hurt and it took them time to kind of understand that this was different. Um, but I mean I, I think ultimately like it, it didn't it didn't look like you know the coaches the players that those teams were never going to let that happen we're never going to let this game resume and so I mean the right decisions were made even if maybe they weren't like immediately you know on the right page there's so many moving parts even because I noticed some criticism about like how long it took them to, to postpone the game like it's, it's not the simple most simple thing to postpone an NFL game like especially that kind of a game and I know it's like a not not what matters but like that's a very pretty big game for like the, the playoff outcome and so they can't it, it's not gonna it, for one they have to figure out what's going on with him is he alive which was a thing like, trying to get an update on his status talking to both teams seeing what they wanted to do what the players wanted to do giving them a chance to discuss it amongst themselves figuring out all right if we don't play this tonight are we going to try to play it again are we not like, that's a lot of stuff and like there's a lot of people that weren't there in the building that had to co- kind of try to coordinate um with all that so i think it ended up getting postponed within like an hour and so like i don't know how much faster people really expected them to reach that conclusion i think the most important thing is that they didn't continue playing football because it was, it was pretty clear that both teams, um, players, coaches, like they were too too out of it at that point to really play anymore. Also, you know, a tip of the cap to the two coaches, they're kind of the, uh, I think the voices of reason in all this sounds like uh, McDermott. When there's momentum going to get the game going again, he went over and talked to, the, to Zach Taylor and said, you know what, I'm not sure I, can, I can't be here. I got to be at the hospital with my guy. And I think that both coaches realized that, yeah, it's not even – really feasible to ask these guys to play again. So I think that was, um, you know, I'm sure, like you said, so many things are happening. It's a, it's an unusual moment. It hasn't happened before. People trying to find out, what, you know, reasons and, and what they can and can't do. I think the coaches definitely were the, the calming and, and reasonable and logical voices in all this. And I think that really uh, was, was a good thing. Yeah, and something that's been good to see uh, kind of in response, especially with a uh, him making progress is all the donations that have been flooding into his fundraiser, which was initially for a toy, toy drive, but now it's kind of become the hub for showing support to him and his family as well. And I think last time I saw it was like over over six million dollars. And the Raiders have a couple of people that, that donated Devontae Adams, Josh McDaniels, and a bunch of other players and athletes and notable figures and businesses 
throughout the world have, have contributed as well. And so speaking to what Ted said earlier about, and I'm, I'm sure the, if he can't play again, the Bills in the NFL would, would take care of him. But on, on top of that, it looks like he'll have at least some, him and his family will have some sort of financial support coming in response to this. A name we do want to mention uh, is Danny Kellington. He was um, the member of the Bills training staff that, that was out there uh, giving CPR and chest compressions to DeMar Hamlin. And, um, you know, Ted, you mentioned earlier, I mean, the, the credit goes to, you know, the, the medical personnel that, that is out there. And um, it, it does speak to, you know, how, how well prepared these guys are, um, these men and women are that, that are in those positions. It's been said, and and it will be said. Like you know, if you're in a medical emergency, obviously the best place to be is in a hospital. A football field is not far behind. Um, you know, I've seen a instance very similar to this. Um, back when I was in high school, I had a teammate uh, about five feet away from me that collapsed. Had not been involved in the play. I saw him collapse, and eyes rolled in the back of his head, just dead white. Um, we didn't know what the hell happened. Thought, I mean. We thought he was might have been dead, um, and it was a same, similar deal where they had to come out and and they performed CPR on him. Ended up for him that it would, had been a brain aneurysm that just happened to occur on the football field, and we didn't find out about what happened until Monday morning when we finally got to school. You know, was completely unfootball related, so definitely a different situation here. Um, and the doctors essentially told him like. You are lucky that this happened while you were on the football field because if this had happened while you were walking home from school and nobody had been around, uh, you wouldn't have made it. Um, and uh, just you, you do want to always, you know, give credit to the, the medical people out there that uh, that do a hell of a job in, in these instances and, uh, and and certainly in this one that uh, it, the quick work that they were able to do certainly sounds like it made a big difference. All right, and with that, we will um, make the awkward turn of. Uh, of topics to Saturday's uh, season finale. Uh, this game moved up to the Saturday uh, slot. I, I was a little bit surprised by that, but I guess if you get a chance to put Patrick Mahomes on uh, in a prime window uh, there on Saturday afternoon, you're going to do that. So for the Raiders, this game means nothing. One more start for Jared Stidham. Potentially the final game in, in a Raiders jersey for Josh Jacobs. He's got the NFL rushing title likely locked up. He's got a 160-yard lead on, on Nick Chubb of the Browns. Um, so... Even if he takes five carries or so, he even if he doesn't take a carry, he probably will uh, will take home that rushing title. Um, so that's you know a little something to watch out for. We'll see what Jared Stidham does in his second start. But how motivated will this team be, especially given the, all the events of this week? We don't know, but it's, it's one last time for uh, for a few guys to go out there and make an impression. Yeah, Devontae Adams asked yesterday, you know, what will motivate you guys at this point? And he just said pride. And that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, it was, that was basically it last week, too, going against the 49ers, because, you know, while they were technically alive, like they they weren't really in terms of the playoff hunt. And so and they went down down to the wire, one of the best teams in the league. And so I don't think they're necessarily going to roll over this week because not much has changed in terms of their their playoff outlook. But, you know, this, this group has been pretty professional in that sense and they've, they've had some pretty low moments from a football standpoint this season and I don't think the effort has, has ever really waned regardless of the outcome and so doesn't guarantee a victory and Raiders fans probably don't want a victory at this point um, but uh, I think they'll be, be full goal on Saturday. Did you hear that there might be an eighth seed for both the I think pro football reported that they're considering um, an eighth seed for the AFC and NFC the Raiders probably are still out of it right? Even if they're with the eighth seed, I haven't seen it. <laughs> they're six and ten. I hope they're out of it. Uh, I would think so. <laughs> I would. I would assume so. But yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think uh, as far as motivation this week, I think money's a motivating factor. I think a lot of these players 
won't be back next year. So they got to put some good, you know, uh, tape, uh, some good film out there. And we got other teams can realize these guys can help out. I think the defense, especially, most of those guys in defense won't be back next year. So I think um, that'll be a factor as far as why you want to play hard and, and play well this weekend. And you mentioned Jared Stidham. It's a, it's a showcase for him, really. He's a, he's a free agent. And I think um, he played really well last week. If he can do that again and put two good games on film, uh, he'll be a sleeper on the free agent market. Teams you know, always need quarterbacks. He'll have two good games against two good teams and some pretty good highlights. I mean, he looked, he looked good last week. Or some plays definitely were eye-opening. That one uh, check down to Foster Moreau I thought was a really impressive throw on the right side early on. And he made some great plays. Touchdown passes were great. Just um, looked poised. It's got some swagger. And uh, you're going to see the arm talent. So I think um, if you're a Raider fan, I'm sure you, you want to watch him again, see how he does, and maybe – can he be a guy who's a you know a stopgap answer next year? Yeah, I mean, to me, for Josh McDaniel, you want to again showcase the fact that you know you are a great play caller or offensive mind. Jared Stidham kind of showed what this offense is, is capable of when you know you have D- Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams all rolling at the same times, and obviously for Jared Stidham, you know you're playing for potentially being the stopgap guy for next year. I mean, that's probably not his head. You know, from his, his mind, he might be playing to be a starter somewhere with the Raiders or another team uh, for next year. You know, rewatching the film from um, last week, Stidham definitely did a lot of good things, put the ball in, in the right places, but he was also, he also took a lot of risk. I mean, there was times where he just tossed it up to Devonte Adams um, when, you know, it's not like the coverage dictated that, you know, uh, this was a good place to go, but he just put his faith in Devontae Adams. So that's not a bad thing to do. But when you have kind of that high variance type of quarterback play, you want to see if he can play a more game that's translatable from game to game. Um, and that's why you want to see bigger sample sizes from quarterbacks. Even though it was a really good game against the number one defense in the league, you want to see him uh, be able to have success from week to week. And you want to see some of those high variance plays you know, maybe go down or want to see if he's he can repeat some of the um, the big plays that he made as well. So you only have a two game sample, which is not enough to really judge a quarterback. But uh, it would be telling if all of a sudden he, you know he had one great game and a stinker against Kansas City. So Stidham has a lot to play for. I mean, the fact that he was willing to take high risks. I mean, that that's I, you know I understand like the. The, the bat the downside of that but like it's also like to be in your first nfl start and be playing one of the best defenses in the league and and obviously it's a game that doesn't have a whole lot on the line but it is you know pretty important for your future i mean i that does to me that that is encouraging that the guy's not out there playing scared that he's not out there like oh you know i, I can't make a mistake like you know a lot of quarterbacks need to figure that out at some point like don't play afraid to make a mistake and uh, for him to do that in his first start uh that I think that's certainly a positive sign. I just think your game can't be built off of that, you know, because like it can't go the other way. Brett Favre would disagree. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm getting the Jared Stidham True. to Brett Favre connection here going, man. Hey, man. He's... If Brian Edwards was yeah, Trello, yeah, what was he? What was, what was he a combination of and, and Randy Moss he? and all the greatest receivers of all time. But yeah, uh, you know, Stidham had a good game, but like I, I still. Like maybe he could be like a, a stopgap guy, but but it, he's not going to be anybody that's I don't I don't think would be the guy for them next season. I, th- I think we all agree there. And um, you know the best case scenario for the Raiders in this game, we talked about the last game, is to you know have a great offensive showing and lose so they can improve their draft positioning and they can get the best player possible in April. And so 
it's fine if, if Stidham has a good game, but I don't think it's like drastically altering their, their plans or anything. I know some, I mean, some people have been asking about it. So the free agent market, you know, out there, there's some intriguing options, some some obvious connections to Josh McDaniels. Uh, it's a few highly touted quarterbacks um, in, in drafts, you know, who, who knows what happens with the trade market. And so we have plenty of options, you know, regardless of how Stidham lo- looks in these last couple of games. Um, the question more so is, is not, do, do they have, you know, a route to replace Derek Carr, but will they make the correct decision? Because, you know, their first offseason wasn't, obviously, with where they stand, it didn't really go that well for them. Um, they had some big hits, like, you know, Devontae Adams, of course, but there were some some swings and misses as well. And so they, they have a lot of resources going into this offseason, but I, I think, you know, people are kind of, you know, waiting see mode to, to see if they can maximize it. Let's talk a little bit more about Devontae Adams. Um, well, it was kind of one of the big storylines on Wednesday. And it's been the big question mark, one of the big question marks that's lingered out there since Derek Carr's benching is like, how does Devontae feel? Like, we know he's not going to be happy about it, but how unhappy about it is he? Is that going to impact his desire to want to remain in Las Vegas? And he pretty much cleared that up by saying like, no, like, you know, the Raiders were my dream team before Derek Carr was ever here. He wants to have, I think, some say in, in what happens at that position because it's, it affects his career and how, you know, what he's going to be able to do, what he's going to be able to accomplish. But he did definitely help clear that up that like, hey, just because Derek Carr is not a Raider does not mean that asking for my walking papers. Honestly, even like feasibly, like if, if he did ask out on, on the worst case scenario, the Raiders can't really grant that request like based on the way his contract is set up like if they traded him or cut like you know whatever moving on like they would take a, a horrific dead money hit which just they just wouldn't do and so he probably wasn't going anywhere anyway like even if he wanted to but I, i'm sure it's reassuring for you know raiders fans that he's not going to be a, a disgruntled wide receiver or anything of that nature because they've had some of those in their in their past yeah, for him, it's actually, I think it's a, it's a win-win because uh, he kind of left Green Bay to got an Aaron Rodgers' shadow. He wanted to come closer to home, which he did. And I think now, with Derek Carr going, he's clearly going to be the face of the franchise. He's clearly one of the top, you know, two or three receivers in the league. And I think his star is still ascending. He can, there's, his numbers this year were ridiculous, and they could have been a lot better. There were a lot of plays that he and Derek didn't hook up on. So I think, uh, you know, it's just uh, – he realized he's in a good spot, I think, definitely as far as being the centerpiece of an offense and the centerpiece of a market that is uh, exploding. So uh, I think he's uh, he realized he's he's doing pretty well for himself. And it's probably pretty encouraging for him to have a huge game without Derek Carr in the lineup, too. You know, I, I just hope the Raiders don't waste his prime of his career. Maybe he has two, three years left of uh, really high production, and I hope they don't waste it making the wrong moves. Uh, but we'll see this offseason. Well, they wasted one, right? They're, they're down one. They wasted one year of his prime. So Yeah, the Raiders are a weird team, man. Like, they have this offensive player in Devontae Adams that you can sort of build around and create a dynamic attack. They have this all-world defensive player in Max Crosby, who theoretically you should be able to build around and create a, a, a good unit. And they just don't – they just haven't done it. Like, it just <laughs> – They got a running back with 2,000 all Yeah, it's yards. like they just have, like – they're the weirdest thing because they have these players that are like elite, like top tier players, but the rest of it, it is, but you know, it's been one off season. We'll see what they can do this off season. I don't want to, you know, write them off too quickly, but they can't waste having, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Jacobs, um, but Adams and Crosby at least are going to be here next season. They they can't waste having that kind of talent. How come you guys never mentioned Daniel Carlson when you guys mentioned all these uh, all world talents? Special team, special team. Yeah, man. AJ Cole too. AJ Cole too. My bad. Because a kicker, a kicker is supposed to make his field goals when you your kicker. He's got like you're supposed to make your field goals when you go out there. But I mean, yeah, like 
let's see like when the NFL top 100 comes out next season, obviously Crosby and Adams. And I would think Jacobs, those are three guys that are all going to be in the top 20 coming off this season. I, w- I would feel pretty good about saying all three of those guys are, are likely in the top. I mean, the NFL 100. Yeah. The NFL 100. Yeah. I mean, running backs can be weird, but probably, you know, at least top 30, I would say. Coming off of this season, I I, w- I would feel like he he would and should be. I mean, if you got Nick Bosa out there saying like Nick Bosa, who is teammates with and played against uh, Christian McCaffrey and straight and coming out saying like, oh, that's the best running back I've ever ever played against. Um, that that speaks a lot for how the league looks at him. And they got him all under you know under team control for the most part because if they don't want Josh Jacobs to go anywhere, he's not going anywhere. Franchise tag, so. It's, I guess this sounds making it sound overly simple. It's got to build a roster around them, you know, so see if they can do that. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. I did solicit a few questions here, and that this one is from Glenn C. Uh, will Josh Jacobs play his last game in silver and black this upcoming Saturday? Uh, do the Raiders extend him or give him the franchise tag or, uh, or do they let him walk? I mean, I think we all are in agreement that just letting him walk in free agency would, uh, would not be a wise move. But uh, what do we think? I don't see them letting him walk. If they don't get a deal with him, I I think they franchise tag him just with how much success he's had and how integral he's been to his offense. It's hard for me to see, even with all the quotes about uh, said about him, it's just hard to see them letting uh, a player of that caliber walk. I was if you asked me two months ago, I said he definitely would be gone, but I think things have changed. He's he's played so well. He's kind of embodied what they want out of players. He's been. Uh, Good guy in the locker room, I think, especially now with Derek Carr gone, that's $33 million you can put towards other things, him being one of them. I think a franchise tag makes more sense because I don't think the Patriots, um, that the school of thought values running backs that much, but I think you can do it for one year and kind of say, you know, he earned it. We can definitely make him a centerpiece again, but long term, do you want to do that? I'm not sure you, they do, so I'm not sure he'll love that, but uh, it's still a lot of money, so I think uh, he'll be back in the market in, in a year or so. Uh, my, my guess is uh, they will franchise tag him and, and bring him back. Their history doesn't indicate they would at that price, but I don't know. And I guess I can't really read so much into it, but the way Josh McDaniels has talked about Josh Jacobs throughout this year, both on and off the field, I mean, it seems like he's a guy that's in their, their long-term, or at least their next next season or this, this year's plans. Um, so for a guy that's is, is, is played as well as he has, that's only going to be 25, it's somebody will be bad business to let him walk for nothing. Because if you extend him, you don't necessarily have to keep him forever. Like You could trade him after that. or I mean, how they got Devontae Adams, tag and trade with another team or something like that. But just getting nothing just seems kind of – that seems crazy for a guy that's had 2,000 yards and, and might you know be the, the lead or probably going to be the leading rusher in, in, in the league. But it doesn't seem like that would be a bad process to me. And the other thing is we make we make a lot out of what the Patriots have done in the past, and that's not the Patriot way. But, like, a lot of the Patriot way is the Bill Belichick way, and this is not Bill Belichick running this team. And you can just simply say, if the Patriots had a, a running back of Josh Jacobs' caliber, we came in with all these expectations, okay, Josh McDaniels and what's been done in the Patriots, and they like to share carries, and so that this is absolutely going to be a, a backfield by committee with, with Jacobs and Zamir White and Brandon Bolden and then Amir Abdullah, and it's not. It's not a backfield by committee. It, it's Josh Jacobs, and what, what's Zamir White at 16 carries this season? And so I, I think we can't stick with like, well, that's not what the Patriots tend to do really anymore because they've obviously shown us already this year that um, they've treated Josh Jacobs differently than, than the Patriots have typically treated a running back. Yeah, and you know, if Jacobs had like a good year, like 1,100 yards or something like that, I think this is chan- he probably does walk. But I mean, he, he didn't. He had the best year uh, season a running back had this 
this season and he showed dur- durability, I think, which is a huge factor in, in this too. So he's durable, he's young, and he could have elite production. So it's just hard to let a guy like that walk. I do think he would, he franchise tag probably piss him off a little bit because he's Josh Jacobs, uh, his comments the last few weeks, <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's the, the happiest camper in the world and seems to be looking very much so towards the offseason. And so, and if they want to, you know, potentially not have a $12 million cap hit this season for a running back, like it would make sense to give him an extension. Maybe, a, you know, if it's two or three years and you can lower that, that year one hit that he would have to kind of free them up to do some other things. Um, it's just a matter of if they feel comfortable committing to him beyond one season at a time. All right. We got a couple other questions in here. This one from Aiden M. He says, uh, Stedham was willing to stand in and take hits last week, but ultimately had little to lose and everything to gain. Great performance, but is that the sort of play sustainable longer term without getting hurt a lot? The pocket toughness is definitely great. Uh, I think there were a couple throws in that game where it was just a fraction of a second away from turning into the last interception where I was like, wow, yeah, I can't believe you got that ball off. So having that sense of that puck collapsing and when you can make that throw and when you can't make that throw is something that he'll have to get a better feel for. Obviously he is mobile and he can move. He can't use his legs, but you know, like how often do you see Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or one of these guys with great pocket presence get caught making an interception where, you know, they get hit by their own tackle. You know, it, it doesn't, ha- I'm going to say that last interception is Stidham's fault. It's hard to put that on Stidham because Miller got pushing him so quick, but you know, you know, those quarterbacks with great pocket presence, you don't see them make caught in those situations because they have a sense for the pocket. So that's something that we just have to watch out for as the sample size or Stidham gets bigger, but you know, we only have one game um, as of right now to see what else he can do and if he can get better in, in those situations. Yeah. And I think, you know, having an offensive line that can't pass protect against the best pass rush or one of the best pass rushes in the league, probably, Mates didn't have to do that a little bit more often than he normally would in a regular game. He's not going to be going against Nick Bosa and, and the boys every week. And, uh, you know, looking if the, if he is the stopgap guy next season, like the Raiders, I would, I would assume would try to upgrade the offensive line in some way this off season. And, and so that game, I don't think is indicative of something where like if his pass protection was better or he wasn't going against such a good front. Like, I don't think he's just wilding out and, and running outside the pocket and taking big hits and doing all that kind of stuff just just because he wants to. I think he, he was doing it more so out of necessity in that game. I think it will be a regression this week. I'm curious how much. I mean, he can't play that well again. I don't think it's possible, but uh, I wonder if the Niners were a little overconfident. I think that was maybe part of the issue, but it's interesting because, I mean, um, obviously he knows Josh McDaniels really well, and Josh has a lot of confidence in him. I think just based on the play calls, you can see that a lot more dropbacks than usual, more design rollouts, things they they weren't doing for Derek. So definitely I think Josh called a much better game because he had confidence in the quarterback. They would do um, things he wanted to get done. Uh, also, but I think it's interesting that um, when they traded, when they brought him over this year, they could have given him another year on a, on a deal. I'm sure that would be pretty easy to give him another, another year on a contract if they thought he might be a guy who would stick around for a while. But they didn't, which to me is telling. So I think there's there's definitely um, – I'm not sure they, they love Jared Stidham based on that. So, um, But, yeah, I think you know, he played a great game. He stood in the pocket and – I'm very curious to see how what he does this weekend. All right, we'll go one final question before we get into our uh, our lovely game predictions here. This one from John C. Just uh, to kind of sum up uh, the big move. Um, so McDaniel's and Ziggler have made the decision and are moving on from Carr. Is it the correct decision? And putting us in a bind here, man. Uh, we got we to gotta take a stand. We got we to gotta start a new podcast now. <laughs> Who's going first? Vic, you got the longest tenure. 
Nine years is is Vic's gonna be is gonna be. I've Vic's seen cry. every one of his snaps, I believe, in nine years. So uh, I definitely, um, yeah, I think I think it's. Uh, I thought last couple of years it was time for a fresh start for both Derek and the Raiders. I think um, he clearly um, was great in terms of you know I think being a leader in the in the locker room and also just uh, publicly. I think he spoke a lot on all these issues they had. There were so many things happening during his tenure that were kind of embarrassing and showed they were a bad franchise. He was kind of always a guy who had the to speak on that, and sometimes the coaches and jams and owner were kind of hiding. So I give him credit for that. I think he had some great highlights. I mean, I don't know if it's what twenty-eight comebacks and two playoff runs. So definitely a lot of good things he did. But clearly, there's issues as far as what his ceiling was and his toughness has now become a popular topic. And I think um, now this was a year for him to kind of prove it. He had Devontae Adams, and obviously another was a new system, a new coach. But still, he had to play well this year, I think, and he didn't. So I think. Um, I think it is the right move. I mean, and, and we'll see what happens with him, where he goes, if he plays well somewhere else, if they make the playoffs, and who the Raiders bring in. But at this point, nine years was enough. I think you uh, you gave it a try. And unfortunately, he had, what, six coaches, and it wasn't ideal for him. But nine years is nine years. And I think it was time for time for a change. Yeah, and I, w- I would agree. And you know, Derek Carr is a good quarterback, but I, I think we can say he's, he's not going to become a, a great one at this point in his career. And when you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, who are great and probably are going to be for like another decade, um, those are the teams you directly have to compete with. And, and, and you know, you can work around that in other ways. I'm not saying you have to have a quarterback as good as him to beat them, but it would help if you had had one that was closer to their tier. And and this this sort of move is, is an effort to try to get to that place, whether that's going and acquiring a quarterback this offseason who's already at that level or drafting one who could potentially reach that level one day. And so that, and that seems to be the decision that they're making. And this, this is one that we've seen several teams across the league make. It doesn't guarantee it's going to work. Just look at the Broncos. We've seen, you know, what happened. But I think the process is still a sound one and it, and it makes sense. It just comes down to, to execution. What they've gotten out of Derek Carr is, I said this on last week's show, where it's like they, the competency level for years before Derek Carr came here, it was just like incompetency at quarterback, and Derek Carr brought competency. I think the level of quarterback play that is available out there, and when you have a coach like Josh McDaniels, who is supposed to be able to build an offense, and we saw what he did in one game with Stidham, he can build an offense without a superstar quarterback, but a superstar quarterback takes it to the next level. And so I think he can build a competent offense with a Jared Stidham, with whomever they bring in. But you want to try to find something that can take it to the next level. Derek Carr wasn't taking it to that next level. This year was so huge for him. Like you wanted to see a, a, an offense that was just purely dominant. He just never saw a stretch. It. I mean, I think this is the first season really in a long time. I mean, really probably you know since his rookie year where you didn't see those dominant stretches that he used to have. Um, and I think that was disappointing to to combine that with with adding in Devontae Adams. And so uh, you know, I hope Raider fans are able to kind of look back on Derek Carr fondly at some point. And we know, we know there's such a dividing line where you either love him or you hate him. I mean, I don't think his career here was any kind of total disaster, but I think for, for his sake and for the Raiders sake, yeah, I mean, it, it's the right move. And I think for him, he, he should be excited. I know he always talks about, Oh, I love the Raiders. No want to play for anybody else. But for him, I think he should be excited to see what life is like out there on a different team and, and see if he can find success somewhere else. I think ultimately this is uh, could be a good thing for both Carr and, and the Raiders. I mean, you know, Deshaun hit it on it earlier. When you're in division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, who is going to be here for the next 10 years or, or, or longer probably, 
it's hard to just bank on a, a guy that's fringe top 10. You know, you have to kind of take a swing for the fences to stay competitive in this um, division. And Carr has been kind of stabilized the position here for a little while. But, I mean, just being stable is not enough to compete in this AFC West long term. So, ultimately, I, I do think this is the right move. They, you know, he has nine years here. Um, and you got to swing for fences. It, may, it might not end up well because finding a good quarterback is hard. But I think, ultimately, it's the right move to try to gamble and find one of these, you know, young, really good quarterbacks or you know, if you could find an elite veteran for a few years, it, I, I think this ultimately is the right move when you look at all those factors. I was going to add, I think the uh, the great Josh DeBow had a stat where there's, uh, I think it's the great Josh DeBow. There's uh, there are 14, wow. 14, no, he knows I love them. There's 14 quarterbacks who started for a team for nine years, and all but one of them, uh, either won a Super Bowl or are in the Hall of Fame, and Derek is the other one. So definitely it's a unique stretch of time he had here. I think... Um, you know, again, there was a lot of issues that weren't his fault, but uh, again, I think it's time for for a fresh. It's, it sucks the way it ended. It sucks that a guy who's your all-time pass leader is just gonna disappear and not have a moment. At least, uh, you know, for the crowd to acknowledge him, where like the last home games you won't be mentioned. Or that's kind of a weird way to end his, his time here. But uh, that's football. I mean, um, that's the way it goes. All right, and let's see how will Saturday go. Who is taking the Raiders to pull off the upset? Uh, I think they are nine and a half point underdogs. Chiefs are are still playing for the uh, the number one seed. The seeding, we're not, we're not sure exactly how things are going to shake out. It it sounds like um, uh, the Bills Bengals game will be declared a no contest, which will obviously kind of throw some of the the seeding up in order. Not but not that that's the uh, the most important thing in the world, uh, especially for our sake. Um, so Raiders Chiefs. Saturday, Allegiant Stadium. Who uh, who likes the Raiders to pull off the upset? I'm taking the Raiders to cover the spread. So how about that? Plus nine and a half. It's a lock. Uh, I think Jared Stidham um, will do enough to keep the game close. So the defense, uh, I think, is um, kind of um, on fumes right now. I think no Denzel Perriman, no Chandler Jones. Last week they kind of got uh, uh, mauled a little bit um, in the running game. So I think the Chiefs can score as many points as they want. But I'll say Chiefs 31, uh, Raiders 23. Yeah, no, nah, the Raiders don't have a chance. Uh, Chiefs are going to beat them, I would say, 34-17. They know that if they win, they, they I mean, as it stands, they they lock up the one seed if they win, I'm pretty sure, since things are trending towards that Bills-Bengals game not playing. And so uh, it's already an arch rival. Um, they have everything to play for. The Raiders don't have anything to play for, and they're just not as good as the Chiefs. So we will see this one ending well for the Raiders, but, yeah, it's a good thing. They get a potentially better draft pick and an inch closer to giving themselves a, a new quarterback potentially in a draft. I'll go Chiefs 35, Raiders uh, Raiders 27. Woo! I think Stidham has a pretty good game. I think Josh Jacobs has a, has a good, another big game against the Chiefs and um, kind of keep it close, but Chiefs' offense is going to be too much. I think a little of the Stidham magic probably disappears. I think they got a, a nice first game uh, boost out of that and uh... I don't think they uh I don't think they quite get it again. I'll go 35-21 Chiefs. Who the Rams playing this week? Seahawks. Yeah, Ra- Raiders fans need to root for the Seahawks and the Chiefs this week so they can get a top six pick. No, no, no. No, they want the oh, Rams. Oh yeah, yeah, Rams, Rams. I want the Rams to win, my bet. Rooting for the Rams um to upset the Seahawks and then their their playoff hopes and yeah, you're rooting for the Chiefs this week. That's how it's going. Baker Mayfield. Let's go. Yeah, man. If the Raiders lose and the Colts Win the Raiders pick six. Is that right? 
They need the Rams to win. Well, the Colts aren't involved. I don't believe so. The Colts play the Texans, so it's feas- feas- feasible that they they could win. Even well, they have Texans. The Texans have to take a knee because the uh, the Bears are not playing fields because they want their first pick. So Texans can't win or they lose the first pick. So if you're the GM or the, you got make some some edicts to, to Lovey Smith like Lovey. The Raiders have two more wins than the Colts because they had a tie. They can't lap the Colts. If you're the Texans, aren't you kind of okay with the Bears getting the one seat, getting the number one pick because the Bears aren't taking a no, quarterback? No, they're going to trade out of it, and somebody else yeah, is going to take they're, they're Bryce Young. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. The fucking quarterback we want is going to go. <laughs> no, but they they, they can't that. catch the Colts anyway. So it's it's about the Rams. They need the Rams to win, um, and they need to lose to get that number six pick. There was a great like celebrity family feud that I watched with the Jackass cast was on, and one of the guys gave a really bad answer. And Johnny Knoxville went over and tased him right on the show, and the guy went down. He said, that's a terrible answer. That's what happens if Lovey Smith starts winning that game in the third, fourth quarter. They got to come down and like just give him a little, <laughs> a little shock. Like, that's it. You're done. Lovey, you lose this game, we'll give you exactly. another year. Exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of State of the Nation. We'll be back on Saturday after the Raiders take on the Chiefs, and then uh, we're lining up the schedule. It sounds like we might have shows uh, for for another yes. month here. We're gonna break down all the playoff games for you, and uh, we'll we'll have uh, well, yeah, we'll have some Senior Bowl coverage. Uh, Tashawn is gonna go in depth on the Pro Bowl. Mm. Tell us who is. Who is looking good for that flag football mm-hmm. game? We'll have a Tom Brady show. The whole show will be all about Tom Brady. Oh, it's yeah, gonna be great. yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Yeah. Epic show is planned. Hey, you know, we'll, we'll have a big like mailbag show. One will just take uh, take a bunch of questions. So um, we'll uh, we'll have some some good stuff here lined up for the next month uh, to keep the uh, keep the sponsors happy and, and keep you guys yeah, all happy. sponsors. <laughs> no, Brian, our producer is trying to uh, oh. trying to entice. A certain contest yeah. in Bitcoin. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna say. Not not even gonna What's say. What you say? It, invo- it, inv- it involves Deshaun, Ted, and a bunch of meat. Oh my god. Oh, we, we almost got out of here. We, we, almost, we almost got out of here. We almost escaped. <laughs> With the clean oh, show. We almost escaped. We so it's, still, it's still clean, you guys. You mind, god you damn the last the two minutes. Man. I didn't say anything. Clean show still. Uh, the last two minutes. All right. We'll talk to you guys on Saturday. All right, Joe. Later, guys. Adios. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It involves Deshaun, Ted, and a bunch of meat. Let's have some fun. Hey.